So verse 12, arise therefore, go to your own house, and when, you, when your feet enter the city, the child shall die, and all Israel will mourn for him and bury him, for he is the only one of Jeroboam who shall come to the grave, because in him there is found something good toward the Lord God of Israel in the house of Jeroboam. Now this is a really interesting passage. Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with senior pastor and teacher Rob Kellogg. Jeroboam sent his wife to discover the fate of his son. The bad news was that the child would die. Yet his death would be a demonstration of mercy because at least he would be buried in honor and properly mourned. Such great judgment was coming upon the house of Jeroboam that all would see that by comparison, this son was blessed in his death. This was the beginning of a series of judgments on the northern ten tribes regarding Jeroboam's disobedience and idolatry, which he instilled into these ten tribes of Israel. Now let's join Pastor Rob's teaching, already in progress. Chapter 12, you might want to write this one down. And all, all, all four of these kings, the Lord does the same thing. And that's my point in this whole thing. God, he doesn't just take Jeroboam because he's this rotten idolater and doing all these evil things. No, he took Israel's first king, Israel's second king, Israel's third king. And now he's going to hit him because they've all failed in some way. And there was judgment. In Second Samuel 12, Nathan said, you are the man. You're the one who took this ewe lamb from the field and fed it to your neighbor. Instead of, you're the one who took Bathsheba out of Uriah's house and did this. And notice what God says. I anointed you, David, king over Israel. Does this sound familiar? It's almost the same words in a way. I anointed you king over Israel, delivered you from the hand of Saul. I gave you your master's house and your master's wives and gave you the house of Israel and Judah. And if that had been too little, I would also have given you much more. Why have you despised the commandment of the Lord to do evil in his sight? You have killed Uriah the Hittite with the sword. You have taken his wife to be your wife. And you've killed him with the sword of the people of Ammon. Now, therefore, the sword shall never depart from your house, David. Because you have despised me. And you've taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your wife. And he goes in and, 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 and down at the bottom. So David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said to David, the Lord has put away your sin. You shall not die. However, because of this deed, you have given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme. And the child also who is born to you shall surely die. There's the consequence. There is the hammer blow. And the hammer blow would continue throughout David's life and the life of his family. But what about Solomon? We just looked at that not too long ago in 1 Kings chapter 11. 
verse 9 through 13, after Solomon had built all of these shrines to all these pagan gods of the wives that he had had, it says the Lord became angry with Solomon. This is 1 Kings 11, verse 9. The Lord became angry with Solomon because his heart had turned away from the Lord God of Israel, who had appeared to him twice and had commanded him concerning this thing, that he should not go after other gods. And notice, therefore, the Lord said to Solomon, because you have done this and have not kept my commandment and my statutes, which I commanded you, I will surely tear the kingdom away from you and give it to your servant. And he was speaking of Jeroboam. Nevertheless, I won't do it in your days. For the sake of your father, I will tear it out of the hand of your son. However, I won't tear the whole kingdom. I will give one tribe to your son, and, and, uh, and for the sake of my servant David, and for the sake of Jerusalem, he'll give the rest to Jeroboam. And so when you see this, God is not a respecter of persons. And he's not a respecter of persons with you and I. We see big names, big Christian names, and big pastors over mega churches, and no one is exempt. God will chasten anyone, whether they're his child or not. If they are in sin, he will chasten them and even bring judgment upon that sin. So how important is it for us to be watchful over our own hearts? In 1 Kings 11, so the Lord is using Ahijah the prophet to speak to Jeroboam concerning the sins of Solomon and of Judah and a warning for Jeroboam in 1 Kings 11, verse 29. Let me read it to you. It says, and it happened at that time when Jeroboam went out of Jerusalem. And this, we've already covered this. But notice the, the accountability again, that the prophet Ahijah, the Shilonite, who came from Shiloh, that's why he's a Shilonite, met him on the way, and he clothed himself with a new garment. And he took hold of the garment that was on him, and he tore it into 12 pieces. We already looked at that. And he says, Take for yourselves 10 pieces, for thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Behold, I will tear the kingdom out of the hand of Solomon and give you 10 tribes to you. And he would give one, uh, as he goes on, to, uh, to David's son. Now, because you have forsaken me and worship Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Sidonians, Chemosh, uh, and, and he's speaking of, I'm sorry, because they have forsaken me. So the prophet is telling Jeroboam the sins of David, the sins of Solomon. And he's telling him, you would think that Jeroboam listening to this would learn a lesson because God did this to David, he did it to Jeroboam and not to Solomon you think that Jeroboam would go, you know what, I, I'm going to stay away from that stuff because what you're telling me, because, I mean, look at this. Because they have forsaken me. This is why I'm giving you the ten tribes, Jeroboam, because they, the, the, those of Judah, they have forsaken me and they've worshipped Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Sidonians, Chemosh, the god of the Moabites, Milcom, the god of the people of Ammon, and have not walked in my ways to do what is right, etc. However, I will not take the whole kingdom out of his hand because I have made him ruler all the days of his life for the sake of my servant David, whom I chose because he kept my commandments and my statutes. But I will take the kingdom out of his sons and give it to you. And then here he warns Jeroboam after all of that rehearsal of all these evil things. He tells him in verse 37, he says, I will take you 
And you shall reign over all your heart desires. And you shall be king over Israel. And here's the conditional promise. Then it shall be if. If you heed all that I command you, walk in my ways and do what is right in my sight to keep my statutes and my commandments as my servant David did. Notice the comparison to David again. Then, and there's the condition, then I will be with you and will build for you an enduring house as I built for David and will give Israel to you. And I will afflict the the descendants of David because of this, but not forever. And again, God is not a respecter of persons. So here comes Jeroboam with a handful of sins. And does he think he's going to get off lightly? But he tells him in verse 9, you've done more evil than all those who are before you. And then verse 10, he says, therefore behold, and here's the consequence. I will bring dis- and, and here it is. I will bring disaster on the house of Jeroboam. I will cut off from Jeroboam every male in Israel, bond and free, and I will take away the remnant of the house of Jeroboam as one takes away refuse until it is all gone. And God would begin by taking his child, his son, perhaps his firstborn son, we don't really know, but his name was Abijah. And that's not all he's going to do. It says, the dogs shall eat whoever belongs to Jeroboam and dies in the city, and the birds of the air shall eat whoever dies in the field, for the Lord has spoken. And and the Lord, back in Deuteronomy again, I I love Deuteronomy. If there's an Old Testament book that you've got to read over and over again, it's Deuteronomy. There's so much there, but God had told them uh, uh, consequences, blessings and cursings, and the blessings and the, and, the, and the curses of disobedience. And he told them in Deuteronomy 28, verse 26, Your carcasses shall be food for all the birds of the air and the beasts of the field, and no one shall frighten them away if you disobey me. And now we see this hundreds of years later, now currently in Kings here, that very thing being meted out, that very same thing. And we would see this same prophecy would be pronounced against Baasha, king of Israel. In a couple of weeks, we're going to see this. Uh, two kings away from now, I believe, we're going to see Baasha. God is going to tell him the very same thing because of the evil that he's going to do. And we're, we'll see that next time we get together or next the week following. But this would also be pronounced against Ahab and his family. You remember Ahab was a king of Israel. further down the road from where we're at now. But notice Ahab met Elijah, and Ahab said to Elijah, Have you found me, O my enemy? And he answered, and he says, I have found you because you have sold yourself to do evil in the sight of the Lord. Remember, Ahab was one of the worst kings of Israel in the northern ten tribes. And uh, Elijah met him. And he says, Behold, I will bring calamity on you, and I will take away your posterity, and will cut off from, from Ahab every male in Israel, both bond and free, and I will make your house like the house of Jeroboam, which we're reading about now. And Baasha, we're going to read about this, and spoiler alert here, but Baasha, two kings away from Jeroboam, is going to kill his son Nadab, who's on the throne, and he's also going to kill all of Jeroboam's male sons. 
And he's going to be fulfilling that prophecy, not because God told him to do it, but because God knew in advance what was going to happen. But notice back in Kings 21 here, Ahab and Elijah. He says, And concerning Jezebel, the Lord has also spoken. Because remember, Ahab had a wife named Jezebel who was a really evil woman. And concerning Jezebel, the Lord also spoke, saying, The dog shall eat Jezebel by the, by the wall of Jezreel, and the dog shall eat whoever belongs to Ahab and dies in the city, and the birds of the air shall eat whoever dies in the field. And ultimately that did happen. Write down this verse, Second Kings chapter 9, verse 30 through 37. Because the prophecy that I just read you in First Kings 21, verse 20, now comes to pass in Second Kings chapter 9, verse 30. Let me read it to you. However, it says, Now when Jehu had come to Jezreel, Jezebel heard of it, and she put out uh, paint on her eyes and adorned her head, and looking through a window, and then as Jehu entered at the gate, she said, Is it peace, Zimri, murderer of your master? And he looked up at the window and said, Who is on my side? Who? And so two of the three eunuchs looked out at him, and then he said, throw her down. And so they threw her down, and some of her blood spattered on the wall and on the horses, and he trampled her underfoot. And when he had gone in, he ate and drank, and then he said, go now and see to this accursed woman and bury her, for she was a king's daughter. So they went to bury her, but they found no more of her than the skull and the feet and the palms of her hands." And therefore they came back and told him, and he said, This is the word of the Lord, which he spake by his word Elijah the Tishbite, saying, On the plot of ground at Jezreel, dogs shall eat the flesh of Jezebel, and the corpse of Jezebel shall be as refuse on the surface of the field in the plot at Jezreel, and so that they shall not say, Here lies Jezebel. A very similar thing happens. And again, Ahab was a king of the northern ten tribes, affiliated with Jeroboam and certainly continuing in his wicked ways. And all throughout the scripture you see God showing these things and and things coming to pass, and he is not a respecter of persons. So, verse 12, Arise, therefore, go to your own house, and when when your feet enter the city, the child shall die, and all Israel will mourn for him and bury him, for he is the only one of Jeroboam who shall come to the grave, because in him there is found something good toward the Lord God of Israel in the house of Jeroboam. Now, this is a really interesting passage, but because of the child's innocence and the Lord seeing something good in him, he would be the only one of Jeroboam's seed that would be properly buried with his ancestors. See, when people died back then, what they would do is they would, uh, uh, ultimately, they would, they would put them in a bone box. They would put them in a common grave of their ancestors. And, and oftentimes they'd put them in an ossuary, which is basically after the flesh has decayed, they would put the bones in a box, and that's what an ossuary was and is. And there are many of them in Israel to this day. And so he would be the only one, this son who had never, you know, this young son, he would be the only one that would receive a proper burial because of the judgment that God was going to bring upon Jeroboam and his sons, all of his sons. They would all be extinguished. Moreover, verse 14, the Lord will raise up for himself a king over Israel who shall cut off the house of Jeroboam. And this is the day. What? Even now. And who is this king that would do this? It would be Baasha. 
Baasha. You can read about it in 1 Kings chapter 15, beginning in verse 25 through 32. 1 Kings 15, verse 25 through 32. But Baasha would ultimately kill, um, after this young son of Jeroboam's would die, who was supposed to be king, when he died, then Nadab was put in his place, this other son, Nadab. So he reigned for literally one year or less. And then Baasha, who was not even of the tribe of, of the same as, as Jeroboam, he was from the tribe of Issachar, he would kill Nadab before he even had a, a, a chance to really begin. And, um, and then he would kill the remainder of his sons that the word of God would be fulfilled. Now, he didn't do it so that the word of God would be fulfilled. He did it out of his own uh, anger and out of his own wicked heart. But, of course, God knows the future. And he can speak as if things have already occurred before they've occurred. And, in fact, he can speak even though the person who is committing this issue may not have even heard about it and then has done it. And then they realize, oh, my goodness, what I just did fulfilled, you know, maybe afterwards, maybe he heard about it. That'd be pretty scary to know that your actions are, are known before, they're, before you do them. I would say that's pretty spooky, don't you? That makes me want to walk a, a good line. It makes me want to walk with the Lord and do the right things so that I don't have to hear those kinds of things. But we'll look into more of that in the next coming weeks. But notice in verse 15, The Lord will strike Israel as a reed is shaken in the water. He will uproot Israel. Now, he's not talking about the northern or the southern two tribes. When, when we speak of Israel, remember from now on, Israel is the northern ten tribes, also called Ephraim, because Ephraim was the biggest tribe of those northern ten tribes. So you're going to see... When it talks about Israel or Ephraim, it's speaking of the northern ten tribes. And when it speaks of Judah, it's speaking of the northern two, or the southern two tribes, excuse me, Judah and Benjamin. But they're really kind of combined, and most of the time they just say Judah, but they, we all know what that means. Now you know what that means, right? And so, he will uproot Israel from this good land which he gave to their fathers and scatter them abroad beyond the river because they have made their wooden images provoking the Lord to anger. And we know that they would make these wooden images to Asherah, which is a a female uh, goddess of fertility. And they were these wooden poles that they would erect and they would worship and they would do all kinds of vile, perverse, sexual things. Uh, In those worship services, they would have male prostitutes, sodomites, sodomites, And that's what they did. Detestable things. The reason that God had brought judgment upon the Canaanites were for these very things. And so, is it any surprise that not too many years down the road from this time that God would lead the northern ten tribes into captivity? The Assyrians would come in 722 B.C. and take them all out of the land and then replace them with all kinds of other peoples, Babylonians and Assyrians and all peoples from other lands that they would bring in and populate Samaria.
verse 16, and he will give up Israel because of the sins of Jeroboam who sinned and who made Israel to sin. It doesn't mean that God gave them up forever, but he did allow them to go into captivity, and that's really what is meant here. So verse 17, then Jeroboam's wife, she arose and she departed and she came to Tirzah, and then she came to the threshold of the house and the child died. So Tirzah is just up the road from uh, Shechem, uh, a little less than 10 miles. And then back in those days, they had well-traveled roads. And there would often be cities along these roads because it made it very easy to visit them. And it would be very natural for that to happen. So directly from Shechem, this important place back in, the, in Genesis, just up the road, less than 10 miles, would be Tirzah. And this is where Jeroboam and his wife, where they lived and where the child was as well. But the child died, and they buried him, verse 18, and all Israel mourned for him. And it says now in verse 19, it says, Now the rest of the acts of Jeroboam, how he made war and how he reigned, indeed they are written in the book of the Chronicles of the Kings of Israel. The book of the Chronicles of the Kings of Israel. Do we have that book today? No, we don't. We have the Chronicles of the Kings of Judah but we do not have the chronicles of the kings of Israel. And don't really don't know why that is, but this is the first time in Scripture that we hear this collection of records uh, of the northern ten tribes, this uh, chronicles of the kings of Israel. This, this book or collection of, of chronicles has been lost or it has been not, hasn't been discovered yet. And probably, and the reason it's not in the canon of Scripture is fairly obvious. Remember, the, the Bible is a book of redemption. It's speaking of the redemption going from, you know, Adam all the way to Jesus Christ and then everything following. So there's no reason for this to be included in the canon other than for us to have a little more information on those tribes of Israel, you know, the, ten, the northern ten tribes who did all these evil things. God made sure that we had what we needed because when he gave us the Chronicles of Judah, it was for a specific purpose. It was because he wanted to make sure that we understood what was going on in Judah because it was all about Judah. Why is it be all about Judah? Because it would be him that the scepter would never depart from. It would be Judah that David would come through. It would be Judah that ultimately Jesus Christ would come through. And Chronicles, First and Second Chronicles, deals mainly with Judah, the kings of Judah. It doesn't talk much about the, the northern ten tribes. It only speaks about Judah and its kings for a good reason, because of what I just said. And it's referred to in other places as well. In 1 Kings 16, verse 14 and 20, the same chronicles of the kings of Israel is mentioned. In 2 Kings chapter 1, verse 18, it's mentioned. In 2 Kings 13, verse 8, it's mentioned. In 14, verse 28, it's mentioned. In 15, verse 21, it's mentioned again. And again, um, it's not there for a reason. And even if it were, the Lord may have chosen chosen to not have it part of the canon anyway because remember the bible is is a history book but it's a selective history it doesn't tell us a great deal about the egyptians although it gives us quite a bit it doesn't tell us what's going on in the far east because this is a god's plan of redemption but everything in here is accurate to the point it's accurate the original scriptures were accurate the translations, there's little squibbles and problems there, but those are all known and 
They know what those things are, and it doesn't affect doctrine one bit. So it's not necessary. But let's go on to verse 20. So the period that Jeroboam reigned was 22 years, and so he rested, or he rested with his fathers. Then Nadab, his son, reigned in his place. And we'll, we'll find out more about uh, him uh, next week. I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of First Kings. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office you can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Podcast or Apple Podcast. You're also invited to join us on Sunday and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link on the website. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you with your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.